Welcome to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We put knowledge and care within reach so you have everything you need to live your life to the fullest. This podcast is sponsored by UM Capital Region Health. I'm Amanda Wild, and my guest today is Dr. Clarence Finley, Coronary and Structural Heart Disease Specialist at UM Capital Region Health. We're talking about congestive heart failure, unpacking the signs and symptoms, and how to best treat it. Dr. Finley, welcome. Thanks for having me. First, let's understand what exactly is congestive heart failure and how it is different from other heart conditions, or, or is it a result of other heart conditions? I think that's an excellent question to start this podcast off. Congestive heart failure, and sort of the typical way we describe it, is effectively when, for whatever reason, blood flow through the heart doesn't move through the aortic valve as well as we'd like, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Most of us know heart failure from what we call systolic heart failure, and that is effectively difficulty or inability of the heart to squeeze as well as it normally does to push blood out of the heart to get blood to the rest of the body. But there is another form called diastolic heart failure, which has been sort of on the rise here recently. And in that one, the heart muscle is actually too stiff to relax to receive blood, and it doesn't receive as much blood as it should. And in that scenario, when the blood does leave the heart, not as much volume leaves the heart as it should. And those patients also will experience very similar symptoms. And effectively, in both scenarios, the amount of blood moving forward through the heart is not enough to meet the demands and all that pressure backs up. And patients will begin to experience symptoms. In particular, you'll have patients complain about shortness of breath. Uh, And then uh, other things that patients will oftentimes complain about is swelling in the legs, abdominal discomfort or increasing uh, abdominal size. So they may note that they're starting to have to use less rungs on their belt, which is a, a sign that things are getting larger down in the abdominal area. The other things to mention are that sometimes patients will complain of difficulty sleeping. So they'll wake up in the middle of the night gasping for air, or they'll need to prop themselves up on several pillows or, or sleep in a recliner to actually get a restful night's sleep. And, and oftentimes there's a sensation of a sort of impending doom or the inability to breathe appropriately when lying flat. And so those are some of the signs and symptoms we oftentimes see when patients present to the hospital. Once you have this congestive heart failure, you will for sure have signs and symptoms? Is it possible that you won't know that you have this disease or this malfunction? No, I think that's a good question. So there are some patients who, for whatever reason, they don't have the same signs and symptoms in terms of increasing swelling in the legs. They may have some subtle shortness of breath, but when things progress to a certain point, pretty much all patients will have some form of symptoms. So there are certain patients in their disease process who tend to present earlier, and there are others who, for whatever reason, and this is mainly that individual's physiology, where they seem to be able to tolerate some of the decreased blood flow out of the heart for a little bit longer than others. But I think suffice it to say that once you get to a certain point, most patients will experience some form of symptoms. And so it can come on slowly, or is it an acute condition, meaning it comes on quickly, or is it more like a chronic, long-term type of condition? It's definitely more of a chronic, long-term type of condition. It's a chronic process where patients may say, hey, doc, over the past three to six months, I've noticed I'm a little bit more short of breath when I walk around. I've been noticing that this swelling in my legs has been getting worse over the past several weeks. And then oftentimes, you'll have sort of a punctuated scenario where over the course of the last one or two days, things just got worse. And so there's sort of an acute on chronic component to a lot of these presentations. What causes congestive heart failure? I mean, are there things we can do to prevent it? 
great question. So multiple things cause it. I'd say probably the most common cause of heart failure in about half of cases is heart disease. So actual blockages in the arteries surrounding the heart and in patients who've had heart attacks in the past. The other things that we oftentimes point to are valvular issues. And so when blood flow, again, is not moving through the heart in the way it should, if you have a leaky valve or a restricted valve, that can cause heart failure. That's in about 15% of cases hypertension. And so uncontrolled hypertension is something else that can contribute to heart failure and that we see in about 10% of cases. Another common cause is something called idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy. And that's generally where the heart dilates and oftentimes we don't really find a reason. And that occurs in about 30% of cases. So with all these different causes, are the treatment options made to address the different causes or what are the treatment options? So generally, since we know that in about 40 to 50% of cases, individuals with heart failure have blockages in the heart arteries or have had a heart attack, we will oftentimes check their heart arteries to ensure there are no blockages that we can address. And this will sometimes, if we can address them with stents or surgery, you can oftentimes reverse some of that heart failure that does occur. I mentioned that hypertension is also a big player in this space. And so making sure that we control uh, patients' blood pressure as best possible trying to get those systolics down into the 100 to 130 range also will provide benefit and deter continued progression of the heart failure symptoms as well. And then we do have some sort of niche diseases, things like amyloidosis, where we've recently had some uh, proof therapies that come out and target specifically amyloidosis in those scenarios. If, for whatever reason, the disease becomes quite advanced, there are different therapies that are oftentimes offered in huge quaternary or academic centers, and that will include things like left ventricular assist devices, placing patients on medications that help to improve the function of the heart, and in sort of end-state scenarios, and if you are a candidate, uh, heart transplantation. So with all these different treatments, in each scenario, how do you know when the treatment is working? Like, how do you measure that? So there's something called an echocardiogram, and there are other modalities. So you can use cardiac MRI as well, but for the -the run-of-the-mill patients, we generally will employ an echocardiogram that gives us a sense as to how well the heart is squeezing with every beat. We have a patient who has depressed or reduced heart function, and we put them on some of the medications, things like a beta blocker is a class of medications, ACE inhibitors, there's a newer class of medications within the nephrolysin inhibitors, uh, Entresto, spironolactone, aldactone. When we put patients on that cocktail of medications, we can oftentimes go back and take a look at the heart function two to three months later. And at times, we'll see an improvement in the heart function, which tells us that the medication cocktails that we have are working. And if things aren't working, there are a couple maneuvers we can do to try to improve the patients from a symptom standpoint and possibly from a survival standpoint. Does having congestive heart failure affect your life expectancy? Absolutely. And so about 50% of patients who do present to the hospital with heart failure have an increased likelihood of death over the next five years, and that likelihood increases up to about 50%. And so if we have 100 patients who present to the hospital in year 2000, 50% of those patients will still be living in 2025. Now, you mentioned echocardiogram as sort of a measure, and I was thinking about, you know, mammograms and prostate exams. Should we get an echocardiogram occasionally to see what our heart function is, or should we just be on the lookout for symptoms? I think the biggest thing we can do is be on the lookout for symptoms. As I mentioned before, looking for abnormal swelling in the legs, increasing abdominal girth, shortness of breath, difficulty lying flat, 
sometimes some chest pressure, chest heaviness. These are the signs and symptoms that something is wrong and we shouldn't ignore them. We should go into our primary care physician and if they're concerned, they'll either order the test or refer you on to a cardiologist who can finalize the workup. But serial echocardiograms is not the answer in this scenario. It's really paying attention to your body. Yeah, and then like you said, paying attention and then going to the doctor if you do have symptoms. We all tend to sort of put things off. So that's something you don't want to do. Are there any other takeaways you'd like to share about congestive heart failure? I think it's what you just said, which is not ignoring the signs, not thinking that this is old age setting in, and recognizing that the signs that I've mentioned multiple times during this podcast are signs that need some attention and leave it to your primary care physician or your cardiologist to determine whether or not those signs are concerning enough to warrant further evaluation. The other thing to mention is that this is not something that isn't terribly ubiquitous throughout the United States. The most common cause of hospitalizations in individuals 65 or older are from heart failure hospitalizations. And this is also a common cause for patients going back into the hospital after they've recently been uh, discharged. And so it's a real issue. A lot of people are affected and we need to pay attention so that we can get patients treated appropriately. Well, Dr. Finley, thank you for really giving a really great overview of the diagnosis and treatment of congestive heart failure. This episode is sponsored by UM Capital Region Health, the largest healthcare provider in Prince George's County, dedicated to enhancing the health and wellness of the community by providing high-quality, accessible patient care. UM Capital Region Health, changing up healthcare in Prince George's County. Find more shows just like this one at umms.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again.